0: In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. As a priest, there are times when I sit by someone's bedside, when they are ill, when they just need somebody to be present or to hold their hand. And maybe you have done that too. It's not always easy. Sometimes I feel kind of squirmy and ready to go at times. Um, so even, even your priests are human and go through those kinds of uh, spiritual disciplines of practicing being present. Um, and it is a practice that we keep working on. The Apostle Paul talks about Weakness and being with each other in weakness, and what that looks like. And and Paul is writing to the church in Rome, and maybe at that time the church was going through some pains, and we could even imagine the church being in a state of weakness of people, though God is strong. Remember, the the church is the way we follow and say yes to God. And sometimes we stumble and sometimes we stand upright. And so Paul is writing to a church that has been persecuted and will continue to be persecuted. And he writes, "...the Spirit helps us in our weakness." For we do not know how to pray as we ought. I imagine sitting with someone, holding their hand, and sometimes I don't know what to pray. Sometimes it's the gift of presence that someone really needs anyway, and the words aren't the most important thing. And so Paul says for we do not know how to pray as we ought, because, you know, we could say the wrong thing or an awkward thing, and we don't know what God wants to hear at this moment. And Paul says, but that very spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. What Paul is telling the churches in Rome in that moment is it is okay If you don't have the words to pray in this time of stress, in this time of trauma, in this time of feeling afraid. Because the Holy Spirit will get into the middle of what's happening. The Holy Spirit will interfere with you right now. The very Spirit intercedes. And what does the Holy Spirit look like? The word for spirit often is, is connected to wind or breath. And we hear that same thing through Paul with sighs too deep for words. It's an exhaling from God that is so deep that there is nothing to be said how reassuring to the people of the church and how reassuring to us in our times of weakness that sometimes (sighs) we don't need the words and neither does the Holy Spirit. Because it's that breath that is the prayer from God. It's the inspiration from God that inspiration, the oxygen. That if you know anything about biology in your lungs, your lungs have these tiny pockets that when they're not filled with air, they're very thin and they'll collapse. And then with one puff, each one inflates like a balloon. Out and in, out and in. The inspiration of the Holy Spirit. What if we connect our breathing intricately to prayer? And Paul is reminding us in Scripture of doing that. And then in reassurance, Paul writes And God, who searches the heart, knows what the mind, knows what is the mind of the Spirit. Because the Spirit even intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So even the best of the people who have gone before us, who we think know everything, even the saints have the Spirit interceding, interfering on their behalf, perfecting them, inspiring them, encouraging them. God searches our hearts and the Spirit fills our minds. And then we have this line from Paul that is often maybe written in cursive on a piece of driftwood and hung on a screened porch. We know that all things work together for good for those who love God, right? It's one of those inspirational pieces of Scripture from Romans. And it continues, for those who are called according to his purpose. I, I heard, this is the translation that, that you have in your bulletin, and I heard a different translation that is the revised standard version that's understood in this way. In everything, God works for good with those who love him. In everything, God works for good with those who love him these are words of comfort and it doesn't it doesn't mean that everything that happens is good because we know that you know that in your life we know that as a church there are times that things happen that we end up heartbroken and we lose people we love and we are mad and we are hurt and we are scared and feel changed forever what this is saying is that in everything God works for good. God is still God, regardless of what happens. And God being God is moving our lives toward good. Moving our lives toward better relationship with God, toward faith, toward love. God is working in that for good. Paul continues, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Now, fun fact. When I study scripture, I write it out longhand because I tend to, if I just see it printed on a page, I zone out or I don't pay attention. Uh, (laughs) Again, true confessions of your priest. Um, And so if I'm writing it just as prayer as breath, inspires us. If I'm writing this down, I have to fully pay attention to the words on the paper. And when I was writing this, I actually wrote, he also, uh, let's see, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be comforted to the image of his son. But what if in being conformed to the image of Jesus, It's not a a forceful reformation. It's a comforting space of correction and pushing us into a space where we are truly moved to be. Because God is ever-present with us in our weaknesses. And if God is present in our weaknesses, then if God is moving us toward good, wouldn't that good bring us some sort of restoration and hope and peace in the now and in the time to come? In order that we might be part of the large family of Jesus, God is molding us pushing us, inspiring us through our weakness so that we may be in better partnership with God. As I mentioned, Paul wrote this letter to the church in Rome that was amid persecution. The church was in hard times. It was dangerous to follow Jesus. There are parts of our world today where it is dangerous to follow Jesus. It might even be uncomfortable in a conversation that you have with people who are dear to you if you talk plainly about how Jesus is a source of comfort and inspiration to you. It simply is. One of those truths, right? Living as Christians, not everyone understands or knows or believes. A little bit later in in this last piece of chapter 8, Paul writes, who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword Well, maybe those, the list of what might separate you from the love of Christ would look a little bit different, but maybe some of it would look the same. When we're in the midst of distress, we don't always know what to do or what to say. Maybe we freeze, we're paralyzed. Or we're in a famine of our spiritual health. We're starving, we're naked, we're unable to see Christ. And yet Paul says nothing can separate us from this love, even in the lowest of our weakest points. He says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of god in christ jesus our lord nothing can separate us from the love of jesus because jesus lived died descended to the dead and then rose to lift all of our eyes in hope for resurrection, for reconciliation, and strength. Jesus did this and brought healing beyond belief. We just sang it in the third verse of hymn number 513. With the healing of division, with the ceaseless voice of prayer, with the power to love and to witness, with peace beyond compare. Come, Holy Spirit, come for peace, for comfort, as God helps us conform to the love that God has for us. So that's reassuring, and yet there still are times when we feel so weak that we have no words. So what can you do, what can I do in those times? Well, one thing you can do is if you have a book of common prayer, either online or in your pew, you can turn to page 461. There's a section in our prayer book. It's called The Ministration to the Sick. Sometimes your clergy tell you about this. This is just another one of our friendly reminders about understanding the prayer book. The heading says prayers for use by a sick person, but in your own prayer book, I would recommend you mark out the sick because I believe that these are prayers for all people. We all have a need for Christ. We have these gaps in our hearts and in our relationships and in our community, and we all need these prayers. And so when you are without words without direction, without hope. These are some words to put into your mouth, to put into your mind, and to share with your friends who may be in a space where they have no trust in God, where they sit in deep pain, where they toss and turn, yearning for sleep. And the one on the bottom of the page is my most favorite. It's called In the Morning. I would also suggest that you could pray that prayer any time of the day for a fresh start. That fresh start might come at 7.45 in the evening. It is a prayer of gratitude, inviting God in, inviting God into the uncertainty and into the hope. So friends, I invite you, if you have your prayer book open, let's say this prayer together. This is another day, O Lord. I know and not what like to you, But and make me ready, ready for you, Lord, for whatever it may be. If I am to stand up, help, help me to stand, me bravely. stand bravely. If I am to sit still, to help so me to sit